Well, good morning. How are we doing? Good, 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 good. How many of you guys know that winter is here, right? Oh, man. Like yesterday morning, I woke up, walked downstairs, and I was like, oh, what happened? You know, it was freezing. So, hey, it's so good to see you in the house this morning. Or if you're even watching online, we're so thankful uh, that you're joining us today for service. How many of you guys have, have really enjoyed this Hard to Hear series? Come on, let me see. Okay, yes, yes, me too. Honestly, I, I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, this series so far. And uh, Pastor Joel, honestly, he, he summed it up great last week. So whether you're joining us for the first time and you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about, or you've been here the entire time, here's what we've been focusing on. And Pastor Joel said this, the hardest things to hear are often the most loving things to learn. Oh, man, that's a good parenting tool right there even, right? Sometimes the hardest things to hear in life are often the most loving things that we need to learn. Uh, the first week, if you were here, Pastor Randy, he taught us that, that some of these sayings of Jesus that we're going to look at, that they're hard to hear. Some of them are hard to understand. And, and even greater, some of them are hard to practice in our life. Pastor Dylan talked to us about how following Jesus it transcends our culture, it transcends our commitments, it transcends our comforts. Following Jesus is paramount to everything else. Pastor Joel taught us last week that when it comes to loving our enemies, we aren't in it to win it. We're in it to win them. Woo! That was like, I was like, man, Pastor Joel, calm down. It was good. It was so good that, that even though I may have enemies in my life, my, the reason for that confrontation is not so that I can win an argument or win, them, or, or, or win something and, and, and become an overcomer and be better than them. No, 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 no. The purpose of loving my enemies is to win them for Jesus. So good. So good. Even though these things may be hard to hear, they really are the most loving things that we can learn. This morning, I uh, have a bit of a confession to make to you guys. Is that okay? Some of you, you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing this dude, and he's about to confess his sins. Ah! No, I'm not. Um, but I have a confession to make to you today, and, and here's the reality. The reason I'm comfortable making this confession to you it's because I really believe that I'm not the only one that struggles with this. How many of you guys here just love to wait? Nah. I really cannot stand waiting. I have a problem with being patient sometimes in my life. And honestly, I've never met someone that's just like, I really love to sit around and just wait. You know, like... I haven't met them. I've never met someone that's like, man, my, my work day was so rough and I'm tired, but I can't wait to sit in traffic. Like, I've never met anyone that, that is really hungry and is like, man, I'm so hungry, like I could kill someone, literally. My family and I, we have a bit of a disorder. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called hangryitis. okay? Like when we get hungry, we're, sometimes we lose our kindness filter. It just kind of goes away. Sometimes in life, it really is hard to wait. I've never met someone that's like, man, I really enjoy waiting. 
Doss and I, my, my youngest son, Doss, you've probably seen him running around, little dude, looks like a little surfer guy. Uh, he, he, he and I have become a bit of regular attenders at the visa office. So if they had a rewards program, we'd be racking up, I'm just saying. And so um, he and I have to go there pretty regularly. And I always tell him, hey, listen, buddy, it's going to take a long time. It's possible that we're going to be here a while. So you know what we do? We bring snacks, we bring games, we bring coloring books. So that way, we have things to do while we wait. Because I want him to learn the same thing that I'm trying to learn. And and really, I think all of us are trying to learn. We have to learn how to wait well. I got to learn how to wait well. And you know what? Jesus calls us, if we are a follower of Jesus Christ, he calls all of us and says, Aaron, I want you to wait well. Towards the end of his life, when Jesus was on earth, he he explained to his disciples and his followers that he was going to go away. He said, hey, listen, guys, I'm about to go away, but I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare that place, don't worry, I'm going to come back someday. In the meantime, I want you to wait well. In Matthew 25 is where we we find our hard saying of Jesus today that we're going to look at. It's really more of a story we're going to look at. And it's the explanation of how we wait well. In Matthew 25, you kind of you got to understand a little bit of the background of what's going on. Jesus is answering the question, how do we live between his first coming and his second coming? So Jesus had come to the earth, God in flesh. He broke into man's time and existence. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, right? It's called the advent, the arrival of God in flesh, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus comes to the earth. He lives a perfect, sinless life. He dies on the cross, paying the price for our sins, and then he's resurrected three days later. That's his first coming. And then he tells us and he tells his disciples, guys, I'm going to come back. There is a second coming of Christ that is a day that we look forward to. The Bible refers to it many times as the day of the Lord. And it's the hope that we have that someday our king is going to return to this earth. And we live in that in-between time. The first coming and the second coming of Jesus. We live in the in-between time. And so how do we wait well? How do we wait well and and what does that look like? Matthew chapter 25 verses 14 through, through 30 actually tells us a story on how we should wait well. And maybe you've heard this story before. It's a parable. Some Bibles call it the parable of the talents, the parable of the bags of gold. But it goes like this. In the story, there's four different characters, okay? And so you have a master and you have three servants. There's four different characters, a master and three servants. And this master, he calls his servants to himself and he says, hey guys, listen, I'm about to go away. I'm about to go on this long journey. But here's what I'm going to do. And the story goes that Jesus tells, the story goes that the master gives some of his wealth, his resource, to his servants. So to his first servant, he gives him five talents or or five bags of gold, okay? 
His second servant, he gives him two bags of gold. And then his third servant, he gives him one bag of gold. You following me? Because we're going to have a math quiz in a second. You ready? I'm just kidding. And so the master leaves for his journey, and then the story goes that he's gone a long time. And while he's gone, the first servant that was given five bags of gold, that he goes out and he gets to work, and he doubles those bags of gold. So he had five bags, now he has ten. Thank you very much. Okay, <laughs> Pastor David, there you go. He did maths, he's got it. So he had five bags, he goes out, he doubles it, and he has ten. The second servant, he goes out, gets to work. He had two bags, and he doubles his. And so he doubles his two bags, and now he has four. Man, you guys, I tell you, my kids need a math tutor. Please, can I come to you? Kirshen especially. He's got it. The Bible tells us in the story, though, that the last servant, he takes his one talent, he goes out, digs up a hole, and he buries it in the ground. He hides it. And Jesus tells us in the story that the master returns after a long time. He returns to have an account from each of his servants. The first two servants who doubled the bags, they return the original investment to their master and they also give him the profit. The third servant, he returns only the one bag that he went out and buried. And look with me at the master's response to the third servant. It's in verses 29 and 30. It says this, Matthew 25, verses 29 and 30 says, for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Woo! What in the world is Jesus trying to tell us here? And really more importantly, what does it have to do with waiting? I mean, we look at this, this is a hard saying of Jesus. And here's the reality, that throughout this story, Jesus teaches us a principle of his kingdom. What is that principle? It's the principle of stewardship. Everybody say stewardship. There you go. You guys sound really good, by the way. Like, man, that was awesome. Stewardship. What does it mean to be a steward? What is stewardship? Here's what it means. It means responsibly caring for that which ultimately belongs to someone else. Responsibly caring for that which ultimately belongs to someone else. Let me give you an example. This building that we're in right now. We do not own this building it does not belong to us, yet we are stewards of this building. It isn't ours, yet we are expected to clean it, to take care of it. We're expected to make sure it's secure because that's the expectation of the owner. Even though we're not the owners, we have a responsibility to care for this building. You see, with stewardship, there's a sense of ownership, okay? Like ownership is right here, but because we are stewards, it brings ownership up 10,000 levels, to be honest with you. There's a sense of ownership because stewardship requires that we know what the master or the owner expects of us. 
So not only do we have ownership, yes, but stewardship says you may be the owner of this, but it raises it up 10,000 levels and says, you know what? You don't treat it like you would treat it. You treat it the way the master or the owner expects you to treat it. Stewardship. Jesus calls us to wait well by stewarding well. We wait well by responsibly caring for that which ultimately belongs to him. As we wait, we're in between the first coming and the second coming. And so we wait well by stewarding well. You know what I always, I shouldn't say hate. My daughter tells me not to say that, and she's right. Uh, Strongly disliked, that's what she told me. She's like, Dad, we should say strongly dislike instead of hate. And I was like, that's good wisdom right there. You know what I strongly disliked growing up? is that someone would tell me to do something but never give me instructions on how to do something or ask me the right questions to help me figure out how to do it, I should say. (laughs) So how in the world do we steward well? How do we wait well by stewarding well? Well, the first thing is this. Stewardship begins with learning value from the master's perspective. In the story of the talents or the story of the bags of gold, Jesus says that the master brought his servants to himself and he gave them five talents. He gave one of them five talents. He gave one of them two talents and he gave one guy one talent or one bag of gold. You see, the talent was a a weight. It was a measurement, a weight of gold or silver, okay? So what in the world does a talent mean for us? It represents anything and everything that is esteemed and valuable in the master's sight. So when we talk about talents or we talk about bags of gold in this story, we're talking about anything and everything that's valuable to the master. Or can I put it this way? Anyone and everyone that is valuable to the master. Think about it. Think about the value of the relationships in your life. How does King Jesus see your spouse? Woo. She doesn't belong to me. I'm not the owner of her. She belongs to him. She's a daughter of the king, and therefore I must love her and respect her and serve her the way the owner, the master, would treat her. Woo. Think about the value of your children. Think of the dreams and the passions that God has put inside of your kids. And we're not meant to push them down or control them, go out and bury them in a field so that we have control of them. I'm getting ahead of myself. But we are called simply to steward them well because my kids do not belong to me. They belong to the master. And so when they go off to college, I can say, baby, I love you. I raised you well. Now go and do what the master wants you to do. Praise God. Think about the relationships. Think about your parents. Think about your coworkers, your friends, your enemies. How does the master see them? What value do they have to the master? Not only relationships, think about the time that we have. Think about, yes, the, the literal time in the day, like, like how valuable is time? I mean, it really is uh, the most valuable resource we have because we can't get it back. 
I can't make more of it. What I have is what I have. The master values our time. Not only values the time in the sense of the clock, but what about the seasons of life? What about opportunities in life? How often do we miss a chance to steward a particular season of life well because we don't see the value of that season from the master's perspective? Man, I've been so guilty of that throughout my life that I didn't see the value of that season of life. No matter how difficult or hard it was, it was at that time, I didn't see what the master was wanting to do and how he was wanting me to steward it for his glory. Think about your gifts. Think about the talents that you have. Man, the gifts of other people. Do we value those things the way the master does? Or we just say, man, we put them down because we can't do something as well as they can. Am I learning to see others the way that Jesus does? Am I, am I learning to see my time and my talents like your gifts? Am I learning to see the treasures that I hold on to the way Jesus does? Stewardship begins with learning value. You look at, notice this, it's learning it. <laughs> to be honest with you, at first I had the word understanding value, and I was like, nope, nope, <laughs> I still don't understand it. I'm learning it. Jesus, teach us to see people the way you do. Teach us to see every moment of life the way you do, as an opportunity to steward it well for the master's glory. I want to dive a little bit deeper into this master's perspective in this story. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 and 15, it says... Jesus said again, it, the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, will be like a man going on a journey. He called his servants to him and he entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags of gold, and to another one bag. Look at this, each according to his or her ability. And then he went on the journey. See, in stewardship, we have to know and we have to understand that the master knows the ability of his servants. The master knows the ability of his servants. The servants were entrusted with the master's resource based on their ability. Remember, stewardship is responsibly caring for that which ultimately belongs to someone else. So I have to understand that the level of the responsibility that I have is because the master knows my ultimate level of ability. You know what's amazing? I learn my level of ability based on how self-aware I am in my life. See, my self-awareness must grow. And the only way that it grows is I get responsibilities to care for, and I either steward it well or I fail. Let me help you understand this a little bit. My, my kids, they really like sweets. It's a genetic problem, I'm pretty sure, if I admit it. <laughs> because I love a piece of chocolate before I go to sleep. Oh, I know, it's terrible. It's so bad for you, right? At least it's dark chocolate. Maybe that helps for something. Maybe. I don't know. I love to eat some chocolate, maybe with a little glass of milk before I go to sleep. It's not being a good steward of my body. I know. 
I love this. And, and my kids, they love sweets. And when we go to the store, we go to the shops many times, they know dad's a big softy. And so, hey, dad, can we get some chocolate bars? And I'm like, sure, because then I can get a chocolate bar. <laughs> and, but here's what I've learned. If I buy my oldest, he, Connor, he's 11, almost 12. If I buy him a top deck bar, that's his favorite, the big one, he'll eat a few pieces and then he'll save the rest for later. Like that dude knows how to conserve. He's a true older child. He knows. Abby, our, our daughter, she, I can buy her a top deck bar and honestly, she'll eat about half of it and then she'll save the rest for later. And to be honest, they have to hide it because of the youngest. <laughs> I know if I buy Doss a whole top deck bar, he's going to eat it all in the car on the way home, right? <laughs> like we're not even going to make it home. And I'm trying to drive and people are hooting at me and I'm like, put that down, Arr! you know, like, <laughs> Like, dude, I still am learning to drive in South Africa. Even though I've lived here almost four years, I'm still trying to learn how to drive. He's going to eat the whole thing on the way home. I can't just buy him the whole bar. Why? Because he doesn't yet have the ability to handle a whole chocolate bar. And until he, he proves himself to be responsible, not just to me as his father, but to himself as well, he can't have the whole chocolate bar. Until he's self-aware enough to say in his mind, I should probably stop eating this. Until that moment, I must protect him as his father. You know what happens? He gets the smaller bar. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what always happens then? Dad, they got the big bars. I got what? I got the smaller one. Dad, that's not fair. Oh, you know it. That's not fair. What he's really saying is, Dad, from my six-year-old limited perspective, this doesn't seem fair. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I've been, God, I've told him, God, this doesn't seem fair. God, why do I have to steward this season of life and they don't? Maybe you've said, God, how, how did they get the job and I didn't? Why do they get to live in that area and I don't? God, why does this happen? I mean, you could go on and on and on about this, but we must remind ourselves of our limited perspective of life. The master holds a different perspective. The Bible says that he sees it all. He sees he's not bound by time. He was in yesterday, he's in today, and he's already in your tomorrow. There's a powerful theological truth here that we cannot miss. Yes, God is all-powerful. He can do anything that he wants to. Tomorrow or in the next second, he could heal me of MS if he wants to because he has the power to do that. 
He could do anything that he wants, but the theological truth that we must understand that balances that as well is, yes, he's all-powerful, and he's also all-knowing. He knows what's best for me. He knows what will accomplish the greatest work in my life. And more importantly, he knows what will accomplish his plans and purposes so that others are welcomed into the kingdom of God someday. Jesus, help us to trust your perspective. Stewardship begins with with learning value from the master's perspective and understanding that he knows my ability. He knows all things. Jesus tells us in the story that the master finally returns after a long time. Everybody say long time. There you go. It was a long time. You got to forgive me. I was a youth pastor back in the day. So the only way to get them to focus is to be like, you know, and so then they're like, oh, yeah, we're at church. Hello. Matthew 25, verses 19 to 21. Here's what it says. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and he settled accounts with them. Man, that's. Jesus hit me one day with that and said, Aaron, if you don't like accountability now, you're not going to like it when you get to heaven either. I was like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Because I didn't like people telling me like, hey, man, uh, yeah, that was a good message, but you could have done this better. I was like, because of my pride. Accountability. Oh, it's such a good thing in our life. Verse 20 says, the man who had received five bags of gold, he brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Now I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I like, I just, I don't know if it's nostalgic sometimes i like reading the old king james and it says come and share your master's joy the servant that was given two talents he receives the same exact response from the master and they teach us something very very important faithfulness characterizes stewardship resulting in multiplication faithfulness characterizes stewardship resulting in multiplication. You see, the two servants that multiplied their master's talents, they are literally called good and faithful servants. The character trait of faithfulness is praised by the master. And and, and notice this, they were faithful even in ambiguity. They did not know when the master was coming back. The master didn't leave and say, hey, guys, uh, three months from now, I'm going to be back, so make sure you get to work. Uh, No, there, there was ambiguity in their life. The servants were really just living in this ambiguous time period. They simply worked in faithfulness, trusting that he would return just like he said. Can I encourage you this morning? Whatever Jesus Christ has entrusted to you to steward, be faithful. Be faithful. 
Be faithful with the relationships in your life. Faithfully love and serve your spouse unconditionally. Faithfully love and serve your friends and your enemies alike. Man, be faithful with the influence that God has given you. You may say, oh, I don't have influence. What are you talking about? I'm not leading anyone. I don't have listen, someone is watching you. Someone somewhere, dad is watching you. Mom, someone somewhere is watching you. Child, aunt, uncle, grandpa, it doesn't matter. Someone somewhere is observing your life. And you have influence over them. You have influence that the master has given you. Let those people see your dependence on Jesus. Be faithful at your job. Be the most reliable employee that you can. Be faithful in exceeding your employer's expectations. Be faithful in your giving as well. Generosity is a hallmark of the kingdom of God. Be faithful in, in generously giving away your resources. And, and I'm not afraid to say this. Watch it multiply. It is a principle of the kingdom of God of reaping and sowing. Whatever you plant in the ground. I grew up in Arkansas. We're all about farming. Sarah and I had a garden in East Texas. If I didn't put a seed in the ground of a tomato plant, I wasn't going to have any tomatoes. Reaping and sowing. It comes into this principle of stewardship. We must be good stewards with the finances that God has given us. As a young Christian, I said, God, God, you, I, if you just give me lots of money, man, I'll give it away, and I'll, I'll do this, and I'll do that, and all of these things. And I remember when the Lord hit me at 17 years old, and he said, Aaron, you don't even give 10% of your income to me. I was like, ooh, well, God, 10% is not very much. Like, you sure you want that? <laughs> you know what it was? He didn't want my money. He wanted my heart. Be faithful and generously giving away your resources. Faithfulness is always tested. It's not easy. I want to encourage you today, whatever you are stewarding, whoever you are stewarding in this life, stay faithful. Don't quit. Listen, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel and say, man, this isn't worth it. It's too hard. I can't do this. Stay faithful in the seasons of life that are difficult, that are unclear, that are even unsure. Stay faithful. We wait well by stewarding well. In the story, the first two servants, they were faithful, resulting in multiplication and reward. Well, what characterized the last servant? It says this, verse 24. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Look at this. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Whew. So you know that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Jesus, that's not fair. Hmm. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have, it will be taken from them. 
and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want you to see this servant's words in in verse 25 one more time, and I have it on a slide for you because it really reveals a lot about him. He said, so I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. I was afraid and so I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. This last servant was literally paralyzed by fear. If faithfulness characterized the first two servants, then fear was what paralyzed the last servant. So what did he do? He went out, he buried it in the ground. He attempted to control that which the master had entrusted to him. He didn't take a risk. He didn't trust the master, but he attempted to control what the master had given him because he was scared. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're trying to keep control of your life. But yet it seems more and more out of control. You're trying to control your future or your finances, your relationships, your time. But every moment that you try to control it, even more it seems out of control. All of these things that the master has entrusted to you to steward well, maybe you say, I'm I'm trying to control it. And it just isn't working. Listen, I'm not like bashing you because I've been there, man. I'm there at times, even last week. (laughs) God, I got to control my future. My children, I mean, do do I really trust you with my kids? So what's the key to all this? How do I live like those first two servants that said, man, you know what? Risk it for the biscuit. (laughs) It's for the master. It's his. It doesn't negate the responsibility that I have, but it's showing it's yours. How do I wait well and steward well? Boy, I struggled with this for the past couple of weeks. Saturday morning just hit me so hard. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, he says, So then, Paul tells us, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. I don't know about you. Actually, no, I'll take that back. I probably do know about you. I, I don't know the situation. But I know that I remember when I was 16 years old and I had ran from God my entire life and I could quote the verses, I knew the stuff, I had been at the altar, I had cried, spoken in tongues, done all that stuff, but I had never really surrendered my life to him. How 
how do we receive Jesus Christ? He says, just as you receive Christ Jesus, how do we receive Jesus? It's not by taking control. It's by surrendering everything that we have and saying, Jesus, I surrender my whole life to you. I surrender my faith to you because I need you more than anything else. Surrender. Just as you receive Christ as Lord, and surrender is how we receive him. Surrendering faith and surrendering our wills and our lives. What does he say? Continue to live your lives in him. Continue in surrender. How do I steward well? How do I wait well by stewarding well? It's in surrender. Jesus, I am yours, and everything that I have, it belongs to you. My spouse is yours, my kids are yours, and I surrender everything to you. Even when I don't understand the whys, why don't I get the big chocolate bar? (laughs) I'll surrender. And I'll trust that he knows and he has a plan 